0: Welcome to C3 Wellington and Hutt City. Need something fresh, real and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get podcast notifications, updates on events, collective groups and a whole lot more. We're so glad you're joining us for a powerful and thought-provoking message from one of our pastors. We would love to hear how God has touched you in your life. Get in touch through our website, c3churchwellington.nz. So, sit back and enjoy this message. We're in this message series called Practical, and today we're talking about practical generosity. Practical generosity, and so before I get into the message, I want to intro this series because what is is this series Practical all about? Well, it's very simply this, that that, that Christianity or following Jesus is an inside-out transformation. We are changed from the inside out. In, in Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, it says that when we come to Jesus, we become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. There's the, the, the term born again, that we get a do-over in Jesus. That no matter what our, our, our whatever we've done in life, whether we've shipwrecked our life, whatever has happened in our life, in Jesus we get born again. And isn't that good news? In in Jesus, we get a fresh start, but it also says in 2 Corinthians 3 that we are being transformed degree by degree to mirror the image of Jesus, that the veil is gone, that the thing that separated us from the presence of God is gone, so now therefore we can come into the presence. As we come into the presence of God, we get transformed. It's like the light of His presence starts doing something upon us and so there's an internal transformation that makes us start to, we get this new start but it's like a renovation. It's like you buy the house and now the house has been bought. Your your life has been purchased by Jesus and then He moves in to start to redecorate and remodel and transform some things within your home, within the home of your life. I talked last week about our family, um, Bex's brother and her his uh, wife over in Canada bought this old Toyota pickup truck and it didn't even go. The thing was a wreck but they, saw, they knew that this truck's a classic if they would restore it. They saw the value in the truck. They saw the potential in the truck. You see, the person that pays the price knows the value of the thing they're purchasing. And they, and, and they saw it and they thought, you know what? It's worth it. And then they went about restoring. Well, they're in the process right now of restoring this truck. We have a Facebook message group dedicated to the truck. And, uh, and so we get you know blow-by-blow accounts of what's happening in the truck. I'm not mechanical. Uh, but I'm still enjoying the journey to see this thing go from a beat up truck to this amazing, uh, this amazing transformation. And that's your life and mine. Jesus is all about us as DIY projects, transforming us and changing us no matter where you're at, no matter what you struggle with, no matter what the challenges are in your life. Jesus can overcome it. The Holy Spirit can overcome it. Yeah. You don't have to stay in your sin, in your brokenness, in your addiction, in your struggle, in in your fear, in your anxiety. No matter what you face right now, Jesus is the answer and He wants to renovate that. He's got a purpose and a plan for for your life and mine. So it's an inside-out transformation. But you see, Jesus also spoke to His disciples and said that if you abide in Me, if you have this relationship, if you let Me do the work in your life, then you will bear fruit. Okay. So the Christian life isn't just this internal... Internal relationship, but it leads to external behaviour or external action. And so what we're asking in this series, Practical, is what does it practically look like to follow Jesus? What are the practical, what are the hands and feet of a Christian look like? Jesus would say, if you bite on me, you would bear fruit. So what does fruitfulness look like in the, in the life of a believer, of a follower of Jesus? A lemon tree. We know it's a lemon tree because it bears fruit. Come on, you guys, we're a smart crowd this morning. It bears lemons, right? And so we know a follower of Jesus, James says, by our fruit, by our works, right? And so this series is all about getting practical. What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus in our action? Amen? Amen. All right. So that was my introduction. We're into message number two of the series, and this is practical generosity. And before I go any further, I just want to welcome, if this is your first time at C3 Church Wellington, we just want to say thank you for coming and hanging out with us. We hope that you're blessed today. It is an honour to have you with us. You are our special guests, and we're thankful that you are here this morning. Um, introduction. Here's the, one of my favourite verses uh, around generosity. It's Proverbs 11. Verses 24 and 25 says this. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Amazing. To be generous, to be open-handed, to be liberal and giving, and to be marked by abundance. That's what my hope is for your life and mine. Hey, why don't, we, why don't we pray? Father God, we thank You for this call to generosity. We thank you that you are generous. We thank you that you are open-handed, that you are liberal in your giving, that you, Lord, are marked by abundance and that you do not withhold from us. We thank you that we serve a generous God who does not hold back. Thank you that generosity is the rhythm of the kingdom of heaven. And so we join Jesus in praying, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, in our lives, in this room today, as it is in heaven. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's challenge one another this morning to grow in generosity because here's what I know about generosity. If I was to say, who's... generous person, I think we could all probably think I'm a generous person. And the reason I can think that is because I can mark myself against a less generous person. And we all know less generous people. But you see the mark of, uh, and it's the same, it's the same thing when people come into church and they, they get frustrated with Christians who make big mistakes and do things wrong and hurt people and think you're a Christian, but we're not the mark. Jesus is the mark. And so, Jesus is our mark for generosity as well. And so, we're going to get into this. We'll get really practical. Uh, and, uh, but let's try a couple of things. Let's, say to, let's, let's turn to an ab and say, I'm about to grow in generosity. I'm about to grow in generosity. All right, turn to the other person and say, Try and outgive me. Come on, that's a, that's a good one, isn't it? I've got three disclaimers this morning. I've got three disclaimers before we get into this because I, I think I think we can get nervous talking about generosity. I think it, I think it, I think that you've got to walk a fine line here. I think it, it's sensitive; it can be sensitive. But let's let's talk about this. Disclaimer number one: generosity does not set your value. All right. Disclaimer number one: generosity does not set your value. The blood of Jesus does. Okay. All right. God does not want to coerce you into generosity. It's not His heart to manipulate you. Alright The question is always why Why am I talking about this? That's a good question for you to ask Why am I talking about this right now? So for my good The church is good Your good Why? Generosity is more than giving money But it includes giving money Alright 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 Come on let's go Alright Point number one Generosity flows from the heart Generosity flows from the heart uh, flagship verse of Christianity, John three sixteen. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave. <laughs> this is how much God loved. He loved so much that He gave His prized, or I'm not going to call Him possession, but His Son. More than a possession. His Son. He gave His one and only Son as a unique gift. That's how much He loved. There is no greater gift, no greater cost that you could give than your child I've got. Five sons and a daughter, and I, uh, I can't even imagine. I, I, I can't imagine. I think we can theologize things away, but giving a, your, up your child is, power, is amazing. But love propelled Him. Love propels generosity. Romans 8.32, For God has proved His love by giving up His greatest treasure. God has proved, what's your greatest treasure? It's a great question. God has proved His love by giving up His greatest treasure, the gift of His Son. And since God freely offered Him up as the sacrifice for us all, He certainly wouldn't withhold from us anything else He has to give. It would make sense, right? If you give the keys to the house, you can come in, You can you, you, the house is yours. Come in. The whole, don't just, you don't just have to stay in one spot. If I give you, I've given you free access. God's saying, if I give you my son, what else would I not give you? Mm. There's nothing. Why would I withhold from you? There's no reason. I've given you the greatest. Wouldn't it make sense? I'll give you everything else. Why would I hold back something less for giving you the greatest? Matthew six twenty one says this: For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. So let me tell you something. How valuable are you? If, if, if Jesus gave. Uh, sorry. If God gave Jesus for you, how valuable are you? there's a spot to stop and be thankful, you know? I think we undervalue ourselves. I think we can, nervi- we can be nervous around church about putting value upon ourselves like it could evoke pride or self centeredness No, it should bring us to humility and worship. But the truth is you're valuable. You're valuable. And I think, the en- I think the enemy of church is not that pride that you think you're better than you are, I think the, the enemy of church right now is that you, don't, that you don't see the value that you have on yourself. You don't see the worth that's on your life. You don't understand the purposes of God. And so we eke out a meagre existence when you're called to get in the game. You're called to purpose. And you're called to greatness. You're called to make a difference. Your heart will always pursue what you treasure. The gift of Jesus reveals the generosity of God. It reveals the value He places on you. It reveals His love and pursuit of you. And you are His treasure. Here's the truth. God doesn't want your money. (laughs) He wants your heart. Therefore, He wants your money. (laughs) God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. But your treasure says where your heart goes. Therefore, if He gets your heart, He gets that too. So therefore, there's a correlation. Again, generosity is more than money, but we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about money. Why not? Come on. Uh, Second Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. It starts and it flows from the heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful Giver, He's after a heart's response, not an action, because here's the truth. You can give and not be generous. You can give and not be generous. Motivation matters. The position of the heart matters. The why matters. Uh, I, I, I think it's a really important question. Anyone, anyone ask the why person, like, why? why? Like growing up, I was the kid. I was the annoying child. <laughs> and my dad had to get to the point where he was like, because I said so. And... Uh, and I think I've got to that place in my parenting, uh, just confession, because I said so and I'm dad and that's the end of the matter. But, like, but why is such a powerful question. Let's never crush or stop the why. Let the why come. Let's not be intimidated by the why. It's the most powerful question. Why? Motivation matters. You can give and not be generous. Matthew 15, 8 says, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus says to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, woe to you. Because you tithe even on your spice rack, your dill and your mint and your cumin and your thyme. You, you tithe these things, like right down to the nth degree, you've got this tithing down. <laughs> but it says that you forget the, the weightier matters of justice and mercy and faithfulness. And these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. See, he's after the heart transformed from the inside out, giving as a response from the inside out. In Acts 5, we have the first massive moment in the church, the early church. And you've got Barnabas who sells his plot of land and gives everything to the church, lays it before the apostles' feet. He's called the son of encouragement. Barnabas, and what a beautiful act! Just like there's so much need right now. There's so much persecution because we've aligned our life with Jesus. We've said we're following. We believe. We believe in 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 Jesus that He is the Lord, that He has died, rose. We believe, so we're following Jesus. Well, that created immense persecution, and so Barnabas sees the need, he goes, "I'll give my house, I'll give my land, and I'll sell and lay before the feet." Well, then Ananias and Sapphira come along, and they saw the back and the elevation and the encouragement and the, and the exalting of this act in Barnabas. And they thought, why don't we do the same thing, but let's hold some back. Let's hold some back. And let's say that we've given it all. And the outcome of Ananias and Sapphira is that they were, they were killed by the Holy Spirit. That's powerful. That's incredible. Because you see, you can give and not be generous. You can give and not be generous. 1 Corinthians 13.3 And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burnt as a martyr, without the pure motivation of love, I would gain nothing of value. Generosity starts in the heart. Generosity is an action of love and you're never more like Jesus than when you're giving. You can tweet that one. All right, generosity. <laughs> generosity reveals the heart. Point number two, generosity affects the way we see. Generosity affects the way we see. Matthew 6, 22 and 23. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? Jesus goes on to say you can't serve two masters. And see, finance money will master us. It has a spirit upon it. Jesus says the spirit of mammon rests upon us. Money, But he says, once you break free of that, and you know, the way that you break free from it is giving. It's the antidote anyway. And, and, and so it affects the way we see. It affects our ability to see. Proverbs 22, 9 says, Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Whoever has a bountiful eye, whoever has an ability to see has generous sight. So when was the last time you saw a need and responded? just saw it. Like just were aware of it. Like I'm telling you, we walk past need every day, don't we? Yeah. We do. We see it all around us. It might come through the TV set or whatever, but, but there's need all around us. When was the last time you saw it and responded, do we see the needs of others or are we blinded by our own? See, a devotion to money has a way of blinding us to the needs around us we can get fixated on our own needs because the thing about, the, the thing about finance and money is it's, there's never quite enough, is there? There's always the next stretch, the next hurdle, the next step, the next plateau to get to. Yet in Matthew 6, Jesus addresses the cares and needs of everyday life and commands us to trust Him with provision and instead look to build His kingdom, not our own. He says, His promise is, I will provide for you if you walk in obedience and build my kingdom. I will look after you. Trust in me. That's Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And He's talking to anxiety. He's talking to natural provision. What am I going to wear? What am I going to drink? What am I going to eat? He's talking about the, the, the everyday cares of life, which cause anxiety. And honestly, let's all put it, who here has been anxious around finance? Like every one of us, right? It pulls on our emotions. It pulls on, our, it pulls on all sorts of things because it's our provider. It provides for us. All those things that keep and sustain us. Therefore, it can master us. But God's saying, let me master you and I'll I'll bring that. Let's be free of the trappings, the pull, the emotional tug that finance can have on us. God is not after what you don't have. But what you do have is up for negotiation. Everything that you have, the Bible says, has come down from the Father of lights. Every good gift has come from God. The question is, is it on the table in open-handedness and God, what do you want? Like, he's after obedience. He's after saying, what, this, is, this is yours. Um, there's a gentleman, Robert Morris, who uh, this study we did on generosity, uh, was a seven-week series, and it was out of Robert Morris's book, The Blessed Life, or sermon message series, The Blessed Life. He wrote a book and he did a message series. It's really powerful. And for those that want further information around some of this, that's the, my, the go-to resource. And we have some books. The church owns some books and they're $7. What a bargain. Um, invest in that. Uh, but look, he, he's lived this out. He's, him and his wife have given away their house and everything that they own, there, the whole nine yards more than once. Like twice, God said, I want everything. And they gave. The retirement savings, the house. Now, I'm not saying that that do that. I'm saying that if God asks you to do that, then are you in a position open-handedly to trust in Him and do that? It's not after what you don't have, but what you do have is up for negotiation. Are we open-handed with what we have? Are we, are we, are we willing to be generous if God commands us, asks us, challenges us, and we, are we willing to hear Him? Do we see the need around us? All right, let's get into some practical generosity, shall we? I'm actually traveling pretty good time-wise. This is awesome. I thought this was going to take ages. Okay, moving on. <laughs> practical generosity. Last week we talked about practical faith. Who is here for practical faith? Ooh, yeah. Awesome. If you missed it, it's out in podcast land. I encourage you to go back and have a listen uh, because it sets us up for this uh, right now. But last week we talked about faith and Hebrews 11 is like a blow-by-blow uh, champions of the faith that like, had made major faith moves like it talks about all sorts of, of of it talks about Noah and it talks about Enoch who didn't even die that God just took him up yeah. and because of faith I mean that's crazy eh? walking along and something like um heaven you know no death <laughs> just heaven uh it, it talks about a whole lot anyway so but the very first one that he mentions and maybe it's because it's chronological but and I don't know if we see this as a major faith move but g- but the writer of Hebrews does and God ascribes it as faith and that's Abel. That's Abel. Hebrews 11, 4 says this, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, his brother, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Abel, from generations gone by to this very day, because of his offering, he still speaks to you and to me. So what's Abel saying? Well let's have a look at let's have a look at Genesis 4, the story, the account of Abel and his offering and his brother Abel. Uh, Genesis excuse me four verses one to five. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. Knew his, yep, that's what knew is. <laughs> and she conceived and bore Cain saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. Very key words here. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also bought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel's offering, but for Cain his offering He had no regard, and Cain was angry and his face fell. Is it that God just likes a bit of mutton over some veggies? Is it that God's just the meat eater? And I don't, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case at all. So if you're uh, not a meat eater, relax. It's okay. It's all right. I think the language here is in the timeliness. Of their offering. One required faith, the other did not require faith. One required faith because they gave the first. The first. The other did not require faith because if I've got enough, then God, you can have some. God is not a leftovers God. God is after your heart and your trust. Faith is the confidence and trust in God. Giving first is saying, God, I trust you. Are you my provider? I'm giving first before I give to the bank. I'm giving first before I give to the supermarket. I'm giving first before I give to the car payment. I'm giving first to you and then everyone else because I trust you. So let's talk about tithing. We teach tithing in our church community. Tithing, well, our tithe simply means our tenth. The word tithe translates to tenth. Ten. There's a representation of testing in the Bible. There are there there are numbers that represent things. We know that the number of perfection that represents God is the number seven, and the number six has meaning. Number five, grace, other things. Number ten has been a representative of testing. What do I mean? Well, God tested Pharaoh ten times with ten plagues. God tested the obedience and the devotion of the Israelites with ten commandments. And God, and I love this, although this isn't a test, I love this one. Jesus healed, in Luke 17, Jesus healed 10 lepers, and one came back to thank Him. I wonder if that's a picture of of something. 10 received healing, one came back to say thank you. The first, excuse me, so tithing means a tenth. And what we've learned through the story of Abel and what he speaks from generations by gone back is that God is after the first the first tenth God wants to be first he wants to be first see here's the here's the, he wants to develop in you a heart of generosity and leftovers is not a heart of generosity if i invited you around maybe if we're good mates we can hang, have leftovers but if i wanted to be hospitable Maybe I'm gonna go out of my way to make an effort to say that you're worthy, that that we want to hang out, that you value, that we value. It's not that we're just gonna pull the leftovers. God is not wanting the leftovers, He is wanting the first. See, this is the thing, it takes trust and faith to have God the first. It's an act of worship. To tie this to bring the this, so let me just give you the definition: to tie this to bring the first 10% of all our increase. To the house of God. Where do I get that? Well, let's read Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, says the Lord. And therefore, put me to the test. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. That is the promise of God. So God is saying that a tenth is a test, but here's the thing it's not necessarily just a test of you and your obedience, it's you testing God. This is the only point in the Bible where God says, Test me. See if you can outgive me. See if you can outgive me. Now, here's, I want to pause here for a second. Let's go back to our disclaimers. Your giving, your generosity does not set your value. Jesus is not, God's not trying to coerce you into giving, but He's trying to free you into something, into a trust relationship with Him. And um, I know this much, that if He's after your heart and you you begin this process, but you don't have the heart revelation of it, then that blessing, I, I don't believe, Steve, I don't believe the blessing will come because God wants to honor the right heart. He doesn't. He does not want to instill in you a wrong heart. That is not the heart of God. So He wants you to get the revelation of this. He wants to get the revelation of this. See, we don't. We don't give to get. We don't give to get. We can read this and go, "Great, so I give, I'm going to get blessed." Um, No, it's a sacrifice. And sometimes, uh, sometimes in, to be honest, the best thing is that what you get is more of Him. <laughs> because when you step and you make, a, you make a move of trust, guess what happens in a relationship when you step towards somebody? Your relationship grows stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's the outcome. The outcome is using the resource that He's called us to steward and trusting Him with it. And tithing is just that. It's just that, you know what, I'm going to start by giving you the first. Ten of what you've given me. And I'm going to trust you. I saw this church offer. I thought this is funny. That this church really believed so so passionately in this um, in tithing that they they offered a money back guarantee to tithing. They said they said this. They said if you if you commit to this tithing, we believe in it so much that if you commit to it and do it for like a period of time, call it six months, and you don't get the results that you're looking for, we'll give you your money back. And I. And I and know that it's not on the table today, That is not the offer before you today. But the question is, just, if that was the case, if there was an absolute guarantee that you'd get it back, would you do it? Would you, would you t- would you, and again, I think that kind of counter to the heart that God He's like, no, no, that's not trusting. You've got to, you know, we don't want to parachute with this. You know, We want you to just trust that I'm the parachute. But would you do it? Tithing unlocks a blessing over your life. It absolutely does. The tithe is the place where God gets your grip right. See, we grip stuff and we certainly grip finance. Tithing is a place where God gets your grip right and opens your hands so that you don't hold on to stuff to the point that stuff ultimately has a hold of you. Tithing unblocks the flow. It breaks down the dam of our life. God wants us to be rivers. God has more than enough to pour through your life. He's saying, will you let it flow? And tithing is the starting point. It's the starting point. So my encouragement to you, before we move on to more practical generosity, is if you're not tithing, seek to understand it, get a heart for it, and start. And um, maybe, just maybe, Ray, that could be a good topic of our podcast that we might do someday, some way. Ray's got some great ideas about putting together a podcast where we just talk stuff out. This would be a good one. That's awesome. Let's talk about it. Let's let's keep the conversation open, but take the step of faith. Okay, hospitality. Practical generosity. We're talking about what is practical generosity? Hospitality. Hospitality is knowing as entertaining as known as entertaining and welcoming in guests or visitors. It is a genuine way to show love for others. Or and I just want to say that I love organic love versus organisational love. And let me tell you what I mean by that. We could, and churches do this, and, and I think it's great, and, and Bethany and I talked about this, that the church um, over in England, I want to say is it England, had this, uh, where they had this thing where people invited people for dinner and got to know one another. And I think that's awesome. And I love our collectors where people come together on an organised night. And I think it's awesome if we had a sign up, like there's, people have like dinner for eight where eight people go to someone's house and it's organise, organised relationship building. And I love that. And we have dinner parties for young adults. And that's awesome. But it's organisational. You know what I think is awesome? It's if you just turn to the person and say, hey, why don't you come for dinner? Not because I've been organised by the church, but because I want to get to know you. Why don't you just ask someone out for a coffee and shout them? Or have better yet lunch. Why don't, you, why don't you have a yarn? If you're a married couple, why don't you have a yarn about what you could do? Maybe we could put 20 bucks aside or whatever and say, what, who, what can we do with this? You know, now I'm gonna take someone for lunch or, or let's have a night a week where we open our doors, open our homes and have someone over and just bless them. It's powerful. Generosity is so powerful. Who remembers seeing um, Extreme um, Home Makeover? Like we're like, move that bus, you know, that old mirror, and like, and just like, but did you get pulled into that? I mean, I'm am an emotive person, but I'm like, this is this so awesome? That they've got a, you know, and he's got a fish tank for a bed, and like, all the weirdest things is out the gate crazy. But but generosity is so powerful. Imagine if they said, move that bus, and they just gave him a kind of a lick of paint, and really didn't really do anything. It'd be like. Yeah, that's, you know. But like generosity is is powerful. Open your home. Come on. Let's be generous people. If you don't have a home, use the cafe. Be generous. Be hospitable. All right, words. Can we be generous with our words? What does it look like? You see, the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Are your words life-giving? And are you generous with your words? When was the last like just let the let the encouragement fly. Let it go. Let it out. New Zealanders, we come on, we're not we're not great. This is we're not great at giving honour. Yeah. Oh you know, yeah. We don't want have just not great at it. My friend, a friend, on my Facebook, friend, I've got, we've got friends that are in New York right now and they visited the Twin Towers memorial sites. These massive silent waterfalls that fall into where the Twin Towers used to stand and, and all, all the, the names that had lost, the people that lost their lives around the outside and little American flags that you can put in, their, in the... Sol- American, know, they know how to honour. Like we can learn from that culture. There's some things we don't want from that culture, but there are some things we definitely do. And honor is one of those. Like genuine, not flattery. Flattery is an honor. Yeah. Flattery is you're trying to position yourself and someone else. Flattery is self-seeking. Yeah. The Bible calls it demonic. Yeah. Because you're saying something to position yourself. It's about you. But honor is seeing something in someone's life and just, and just highlighting, and That is awesome. Yeah. Like thank you, God. You know, like I just think let's be those that let our words fly. Pastor Josh Kelsey from C3 Brooklyn. I recommend if you want to follow a podcast, follow, follow C3 Brooklyn. And they've done this, they're in summer in America and they, they do the love one another sort of, uh, of devotional series, all sorts of things over summer. But he spoke this message on love one another. And he said this, your words can heal and your words can bite. You can take a bite out of somebody with your words or you can heal someone with your words. See, criticism, judgment, gossip, that's biting. Yet encouragement, kindness, praise, honour, that's healing. Can you see relationships as like a bank? And every time you, you heal and every time you honour and encourage, you're depositing into the bank of that person, into the bank of that relationship. And every time you're critical and every time you're judgmental, every time you slander, every, you're taking money out. You know, and let's, let's build people up. Let's be generous with our words. Can we be a generous church with our words? Can we, look, no one in this room is perfect, but love covers a multitude of sins. Can we have the grace To be generous, let's talk about our time. Aren't we glad that Jesus invested His time into His disciples? The Son of God saw that this was a wise investment of His time. That He would build and invest and live and teach and train and laugh and eat with these guys. See, the call is not just to be a disciple, but to be a disciple maker. Go into all the world and make disciples is the command. Make disciples. You see, busyness is the epidemic of our generation. It, who here thinks they're busy? Come on, be honest. Who here thinks they're busy? Who here, if I said, hey, can you, you know, can you add this or do this in your week? Who would think, shoot, I don't know if I've got the space. My plate's pretty full, right? We have, we have full plates. This is the epidemic. This is the, the situation of our generation. Our plates are chocker. You know, the rhythm of God, the rhythm of heaven is to take one day off and go, nah, turning the phone off. I'm resting, I'm recuperating, I'm charging my batteries. I'm just being, I'm not doing, I'm being. That was not just 10 commandments. That was the rhythm that even God himself instigated for our well, And how hard is it? I mean, how hard is it even just to get an hour where I'm just going to do nothing for an hour? That would be amazing. We've got, as you said, like a billion children and it's hard. It's hard. But business is our epidemic. So here's the question of the plate, of your plate in your life. What time do you give to invest into others? Because it's time, you know, come on, what time do you give to serve? Again, uh, shout out to Bethany who put this on her Equip City page. And again, if you're on Slack and uh, you maybe don't get along to the Equip City, I still recommend following the channel because Bethany's very encouraging with the stuff she puts out there and I'm learning a lot. Thank you, Bethany. Your primary ministry should be in the area of your shape, but your secondary service is wherever you're needed at the moment. Your shape reveals your ministry, but your servant's heart will will reveal your maturity. No special talent is required to stay after a meeting to pick up trash or stack chairs. A generous heart. Generous person. It'd be awesome if we didn't even need to roster things like set up and things. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think we need to be organisational. I'm not saying no systems. Let's just be free. But I'm saying, wouldn't it be awesome if the problem was we just had too many people? Like, no. We, you know, it, was just, you know, it was just too many. Too many too, too, look, it's, I, I love it. Like, I love it. I love, like last night down here with, with Ray and Caleb and Ezra, my son, my, our nine-year-old son, setting up. I, I loved it. These guys are awesome to hang out with and get to know. And um, you can do that while building the church. But not just the church, right? Not just the church, but come on, be a part of the community. Let's talk about your talent or your gift. Because you have both physical talents and gifts and spiritual gifts. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has endowed to you gifts, unique gifts, Jesus talks about the parable of the talents. He says if you've got one, three or five, don't bury it in the ground. Put it to work. Use it. Get the gift in the game. Are you generous with the gifts on your life? Are you generous with the gifts? When was the last time you exercised? Your gift. When was the last time you said, God, what do you want me to do? I'm really good at this, or I love that. How can I use this to serve you? How can I use this to build your kingdom? What is is it that you're asking me to do with this gift? Don't bury it, use it. We've all got them. And now I've got one last practical one, and we're ending here. We're landing the plane. Just down the road from us uh, is the Anglican Parish, right on the corner over here. And Rob's mum, give us a wave, Rob. Rob's mum is the parish vicar, is that right? The parish vicar. They live here in Taita, and you know they have a real heart for this community. Uh, they are very well um, in the community and in the real need of this community. And they run a food bank here in the community. And Lauren and Rob came to us and said, Hey, look, uh, here's something that we can do as a church. We don't need to start a food bank. There's one here. But maybe we could support it. Mm, Maybe we could bridge with the Anglican church here and say, how can we come along, support and love this community through the work that you're doing? And so we are... uh, Lauren is going to head up, and we're going to begin a, a fill the pantry um, and an opportunity for you to be able to bring along the the kind of goods that they require on a weekly basis, and that and we'll make sure that that gets to every week to the food bank straight away. Here is one way that we can begin a journey of generosity as a church together. Come on, let's be generous people. It's amazing. Just again, we don't know what God can do with a box of Weeps. And I'm real serious, I'm, that's not, I mean, I, 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 coffee is a ministry, <laughs> I say that all the time. Uh, and, you know, I, it's not on my notes, but we've got a coffee cart, we don't have a coffee machine yet, and we got that coffee cart six months ago. And if you've got a heart right now going, you know, I'd like to get involved, I'd like to somehow support that, talk to us, because we would love to get this thing off the ground, this coffee cart on the university campuses. And, um, and honestly, let me tell you, the only thing holding it back is resource. That's it. That's it. So ask God, what can I do? It's a great question. What can I do? And and I'll, I'll tell you that uh, the, the, the obedience of giving and the obedience of generosity, it never gets easier. It just gets bigger. <laughs> you know, it starts with, uh, you know buy that person a coffee, and I've, I've heard stories, and we're not at this level yet, but I've heard people say, like, give 50 grand, or, you know, like, but here's what I say. Jesus stood there and watched people giving, and they saw these guys just, like, throwing the big money into the pot, and, and then he saw this lady give what seemed like an in, 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 in I can't think of the word, insignificant, thank you, an insignificant amount of money, and he said, that is generosity. That is generosity, because it starts from the heart, feel the Holy Spirit just descend. <laughs> we're, we're almost done. I want to give you some, I want to give you some tips, secret of the pros, for how you can build generosity in your life. And we've talked about it already. Thankfulness, thankfulness breeds generosity. 2 Corinthians 8, 1-2. Paul says, We want you to know, my brothers in Corinth, about the grace of God that had been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in the severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed into a wealth of generosity on their part. Isn't that interesting? Affliction and extreme poverty. Sandwiched in the middle there was abundance of joy. (laughs) And the abundance of joy overflowed into generosity. He goes on to say in the next chapter, The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. But each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I'm just telling you, thankfulness overflows into joy. A gratitude journal is a great place to start on your journey of generosity. Get, a, get, a, get, a, get a, graf, a gratitude journal. And I said it earlier in the message, I'm gonna say it one more time. Our generosity is worship because generosity is a response. It's not in a, in a maths equation, you've got, two sum, you've got two numbers that equal a sum. Generosity is not the numbers that equal getting something. Generosity is the outcome of what we've already got. It is the sum. It is the response. It's our response. So question. What is our response? What does our generosity say towards the love of God, towards the salvation of Jesus, towards the freedom, the mercy, the grace, the peace, the joy, the purpose, forgiveness found in the cross of Jesus Christ. For God so loved that He gave if we could, we could put our, word, our, our name in there, for Steve was so loved that he gave. For Bex was so loved that she gave. Because Kayla was so loved that he gave. Shekinah was so loved that she gave. Could go around everybody. <laughs> Generosity is a response. Thankfulness is the position of acknowledging what we're gonna respond to. I am so thankful that you gave. What does thankfulness look like in my hands and my feet? It looks a lot like generosity. So I've got the question that we need to leave this hanging on. This is the question, am I generous? Do I freely and joyfully give my time, my tithe, my talent? Do I freely and joyfully? We're on a journey together, but we wanna pull each other up. We wanna reflect the Kingdom of Heaven. We wanna be a people that reflect the heart of Jesus. We want people to come into this family and meet Jesus. Maybe they might meet Him through your generosity.